Hey, entrepreneurs, it's your podcast mogul, Phil Better here. I am excited for this episode, as as I know you are. Before we jump into this episode, I'm going to ask you, if you are also a podcaster and you're looking to grow your podcast or monetize your podcast, make sure you stay till the end of the episode. I have a special deal for you or a special offer, if you will. But ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let's jump into the episode. Welcome to Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast. Join the podcast mogul Phil Better as he interviews successful entrepreneurs that make their living in the digital world. Now, let's join your host, Phil Better, and his special guest today on Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm, of course, your host with the most, Phil Better. And today we have a very special guest that I was just spending like five minutes ago just chatting up and thinking we should start the episode. Um, they have boldly decided now to go all in on authors. So I'm very excited because I love reading. She has going to have a plethora of stuff to share with us about helping authors. But the reason why she decided to go all in on authors is over the last 13 years of her working with clients, she found one pattern among all her favorite clients. Nearly all of them had written a book. In fact, her favorite project were working on book promotions and funnels all built around books. With this realization, our guest is now focusing her expertise on working with coaches who are launching books or using their books to open doors to get on stages, do podcast tours, my personal favorite thing, or simply bringing more qualified clients into their business. As a leading authority on digital marketing and business growth, she's excited to use those that knowledge to help authors achieve their goals and reach their target audience through their proven strategies and customer journey experience. So with all that said and done, Please welcome our guest, the social, the social savvy geek herself, <laughs> Laura Pence Atencio. Did I get it right? Did I not mess up? Maybe. Laura Pence Atencio. <laughs> Laura Pence Atencio. Yeah, I, I think I got it. If I didn't, well, I apologize. I got the first name right because I, I messed up the first time I said your name. So. <laughs> you know what? I've heard everything. It's all good. Uh, Laura, thank you so much for being on the show. You're welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. It, it's yeah, no lie. We were chatting it up for a while before. <laughs> we're talking Star Wars. We we're talking podcasting. We were talking uh, radio busy. show, like oh, we're talking, parental yeah, units, radio sh- generational weirdness, all the things. <laughs> it was just a conversation that crossed so many boards, and I was like, we should record this because that's what a podcast is. Um, Lara, I want you to introduce yourself to my audience. I gave you a beautiful intro that you provided. I just mixed it up a little bit to make Mm -hmm. it sound unique. (laughs) Uh, But please introduce yourself to my audience. Sure. As we said, I'm Laura Pensatencio. I am the founder of Social Savvy Geek and the Coach's Compass. Um, I live in Texas. I have a nine-year-old daughter and a service dog named Bandit. A few fun facts about me. I was the... uh, goalie on a men's lacrosse team at Virginia Commonwealth University during college. I was a combat engineer in the Virginia Army National Guard, and I was an undefeated swimmer in my youth. I did swimming, diving, and lacrosse. I was our county champion in swimming and diving. That's so long ago. Um, But as an adult, I was a nationally ranked U.S. master swimmer, so that's a thing that I can claim more recently. (laughs) Is there anything you don't do? 
because I'm learning uh, so much about you within the first 20 minutes of talking with you that I'm like, wait, I didn't know this. I don't do math in my head. I was a financial advisor prior to um, starting my own business, but I do not do math in my head and I have no visual imagination. I can't see things when I close my eyes. That's odd. Um, but I did go to school for art and I am creative. So make of that what you will. This is just going to be a really interesting conversation. I'm so, so excited. Um, wait, so I have a question for you. I know this has probably done the runs rounds on TikTok. Mm -hmm. Do you have a voice that just, when you, when you think, do you hear a voice, see pictures? Like, cause like apparently not everybody hears voices in their head. No, no, I have no voices, no visuals. So you don't have a running mo monologue throughout your day? No. <laughs> What's it like? Quiet. <sighs> I have ADHD though. So I'm, I usually like, um, I constantly have, um, background noise. I'm always watching something or listening to something, either music or, um, my background is, you know, star Wars. The yes. <laughs> um, I just recently learned it's not ADHD. It's AD. Oh, squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've, I, um, no, I've, Actually, I was lucky. I was diagnosed um, in eighth grade, which in school in the 90s was a big deal. Like, yes. That, so nothing, literally nothing changed about my education, but at least they stopped t telling me to hold still and ex expecting me to take math. Like, they're like, you have a genius level IQ. You have to take these high level classes. And I'm like, but I can't do math. Please stop trying to make me. And they kept putting me in the higher level math classes because I'm so smart. And I'm like, but no, I can't do the math. I promise you. <laughs> And it turns out I have a math specific learning disability as well. And they finally, finally stopped trying to make me do math that was beyond my capabilities. Jeez. I can program programs to do math. I can do formulas and spreadsheets. Like, why do I need to do the math? I don't. That's the answer. It's true. Like basic <laughs> math. Yes, you should know basic math. That's like everybody. But when you start getting like finding X uh, for the Y and the the circumnavigational of the mm -hmm. that that is not for us regular folk. Yeah. And that lie that they were telling me, I'm sure that was passed by the time you were in school, but they were telling us, oh, you won't have a calculator in your hand all the time. And I was like, lies, lies. So and I, I just tell people, if we have an ap apocalyptic event and math becomes critical, I won't be the person fulfilling that role. Somebody <laughs> else will have to do that. Okay. I'll do the manual labor. That's what I'll do. Uh, yeah. Or you can be the, the lacrosse goalie. I like was a combat engineer and I was quite the marksman. I was like, I can be on defense. I can fire the weapons. That'll be me. <laughs> so when the apocalypse come, we have regular people who can take care of it. And you're in Texas, so I'm guessing you have at least 20 guns. Um, <laughs> I can confirm nor deny nothing. <laughs> there we go. Um, Lara, I, 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 all joking aside, I want to know what, start, what was the reason you jumped into entrepreneurship? I know you mentioned uh, in our pre-talk the recession of 08. Yep. Um, but was there more to it? Were you always an entrepreneur or was it just because mm. of the reasoning? Well, it's a combination of recession and finally figuring out um, who I was. So I was a financial advisor. And so when the market tanked, I was one of the last people to go. I, I, they increased our sales goals and uh, then fired us for cause for not meeting sales goals when nobody was doing deals like that. It was purposeful on their point. But even still, I, I managed to stay until um, pretty late into 2009. So I was doing all right. Um, but 
what I discovered through being a financial advisor was that firstly, there are a dime a dozen. You go to a networking event and there are like 10 or 20 other financial advisors and none of them were doing anything to set themselves aside from anyone else. And my boss gave me horrible advice, like go to these networking events, collect up all the cards and then come back and dial the phone. And if he'd had his way, I would have been dialing that phone literally 10 hours a day, like Ugh. from from getting there till going home, dial the phone, dial the phone, dial the phone. And I was like, people don't like that. That's not the way to do it. So I ignored him and I went to the networking events, got cards from a couple of people per event. I would ask people, who are you? Why are you here? What brings you here? What are you looking for? How can I help? They would tell me that. And then I would help them find the people they were looking for, make connections for them. Sometimes I got lucky and the person was actually at the event and I'd introduce them and they'd be thrilled. Sometimes I had to go back to my office and instead of dialing the phone, I would go through my LinkedIn connections and find people and make introductions via email or whatever. And then they would say, thank you so much for helping me. What do you do? How can I help you? And then I would tell them I'm a financial advisor. And then I'd, they'd be like, oh, I already have one. Of course you are. You're successful. I assume you do. But then I'd go through the questions that we would normally ask during the referral part. <laughs> which which were gold. So I was using real life networking and online marketing using social media for relationship marketing. And I got more clients that way than anybody else in my office. And so people started asking me, can you train on social media? Can you? Because remember back in 2009, it was, just, yeah. it was brand new. Nobody knew what to do it. And then they were like, well, we can't do it without breaking the rules because you'll get an SEC violation if you do a bunch of things. They're like compliance. I was like, don't talk about financial advising at all. Don't talk about it. Talk about the other people. Talk about you as a person. You know, you don't have to mention your work. Then you're breaking no rules, none. Um, yeah, you're just providing value. Yeah, and I was like, you can get your LinkedIn profile approved by compliance. There you go. Win. Anyway, uh, it basically people wanted me to train on social media and they wanted me to manage their social media for them. But I couldn't because I had a job that didn't allow me to take any money from any place else because of, you know, you could be laundering money. So when the recession hit, people were like, wait, you lost your job. Can I pay you to do my social media? And I was like, yes, yes, you can. But I was looking for a job. I hadn't occurred to me that I could work for myself. I didn't even, it wasn't even on my radar that that was a thing that I could do. But at the time, I had been elected the uh, VP of Marketing and Public Relations for my local American Business Women's Association chapter. And they encouraged me to put a name to what I was doing and start my own business. And it just turned out one meeting I didn't have someone to sponsor the room and I am on the fly made the decision. I will sponsor the room. And they're like, this meeting is in two days. <laughs> and I was like, yes. And I was like, I will, I will have a company. I will be there. So I went home and I created my company <laughs> and I announced it two days later. My business cards hadn't even come. I cut out uh, the printout of my card on paper and took that because it's, go messy and go like waiting helps just, nobody and nothing. And five years later, somebody hired me from one of those pieces of paper from the first day. So, <laughs> so that's, that, first of all, that's a great tip. Uh, go messy. Cause yeah. like, I don't even have a website for my business. It links straight to a tidy cow. Just book a session with me. Cause that's the best way to get to know if we're going to work together. Mm -hmm. So I love the go messy. It, you don't need to be perfect. You just need to be, have some way people can get in contact with you. Yeah, done is better than perfect every time. So you you created Social Savvy Geek. Yep. 
because you needed to sponsor a networking event that you were the <laughs> VP of marketing for. Yes. Um, <laughs> hey, whatever works, right? It, it got your foot in the game. The universe, God, whoever it was said, hey, you're not supposed to do this. You need to be doing this. Mm-hmm. You started your business because of the recession. Mm-hmm. Um, and because you needed a sponsor for a room. <laughs> yeah. And then I picked up speaking engagements for the Commonwealth of Virginia's uh, Department of Business Assistance, like right away. And I started, I was out, I was going. Wow. Yep. That's insane. <laughs> yes. It so was a little overwhelming. <laughs> I can only imagine it was overwhelming. So you're now busy as a bat coming out of hell because you have <laughs> speaking engagements you got mm-hmm. your people hiring you from the, the pieces of paper that you had your business info <laughs> on it which i'm still oh my god that is yep. like the brilliant idea like it was just get it done yeah well and i made the classic mistakes you make coming out of the gate i undercharged because mm. i didn't have the confidence to charge more because i didn't know how do you price yourself when you're fresh out of the gate yeah. um and I didn't, I didn't have a niche at first because I hadn't even considered doing this. I just took any business that came my way and I ended up building a business that I hated <laughs> because I did what I w- I did what I was encouraged to start by the people around me. And then I was, I didn't know what I didn't know. And what I was told was, you know, you're a digital marketing agency and you should get an office and staff. And so I, I got an, I rented an office. I hired staff. I had W2 employees. And, you know, here I am responsible for other people's like livelihood for their families, which is really high pressure. And I don't know what I'm doing because I'm brand new. Like that was terrifying. But I mean, I did it. It was just really scary. And then I realized that I just built myself a corporate gig. <laughs> If I'd wanted to stay in corporate, I would have still been working at Capital One that I worked at prior to being a financial advisor. I mean, I've never, I've never really fit in at any of my jobs because I would go in and say, this system is broken. This sucks. Let's fix this. And I would improve things. And um, I have this gift from God for seeing like a mess and going, ooh, chaos. And I create order from that chaos. And then I put it into steps and systematize it. And then it works smoothly. Um, And once I would run out of things that were broken to fix or they wouldn't let me fix things and I would get bored. And there are people working in jobs that I worked with, gosh, I'm old now, 30 years ago who are still there. And I'm like, why are you here? You didn't like it 30 years ago, but they just stay. It's the security of that paycheck. Yep. And I was, I guess, considered a job hopper because I'm like, this sucks. I'm out. (laughs) I got yelled at for being a job hopper by my parents. Yes. Like, no one's going to take you seriously if they see you only staying in a job for one, two years mm-hmm. and jumping all around. And now I look at it, I'm like, I stayed 10 years in a mm-hmm. job that I despised. Yes. I should have been a job hopper. Exactly. Well, not somewhere. I had some steadiness to it. Like I, mm-hmm. I was, I managed movie theaters for, <gasps> uh, for a decade and I, but, but I hopped from location to location within the company and they would send me to train whole entire new theaters and I would fix their systems and I would make a, a theater better. And so as long as they were allowing me to do that type of work, then I was happy. But then they wanted me to take my own theater and be like in one place. And I was like, I can't do that. That's someone else's dream and I don't want it. So I left. Oh, so yeah, you're a job hopper. You're getting all these amazing things. You create the social savvy geek because you mm-hmm. had to sponsor a meeting and then you built the company that you despised. 
I wouldn't go that far. But. Well, you, you, it wasn't the, the company <laughs> you wanted. Yeah, I loved my clients. I loved the work I was doing, but I didn't like commuting because why? And being in charge of managing a bunch of other people. And um, I mean, I, I like managing people, but I didn't like the way that it was set up with unemployment insurance and the seriousness of it all. And, um, and not having... Like, I didn't want to work. Like, I, I had some clients who were restaurants and clients who were uh, mortgage advisors and other financial advisors. And a lot of, like, I did some brick and mortar work at the beginning and basically decided uh, that that wasn't my favorite. So I stopped taking those clients. <laughs> and and I went back to working from home. I mean, I've, I've had an office from time to time. Um, sometimes it makes sense to get out of the house. Like, when my yeah. daughter was really young and she couldn't figure out why I was home and she couldn't have me, I would leave and go to an office. Um, but she's old enough now that she knows mama's working. So mama's in her office. Don't come a knocking. Um, um, so what made you jump into going from the social savvy geeks, which is an, uh, I believe you mentioned a done for you service. Yep. Digital marketing agency with done for you services and consulting. Yeah. To the coach's compass. Well, I had spent, I mean, Coach's Compass is only, gosh, about a year old. I had spent, you know, 12 years, over a decade marketing my my agency as, you know, an expensive brand. Like, we don't do, we don't do inexpensive work. But I was a little sad because I wasn't able to work with very many new entrepreneurs. And I, I wanted to work with, I've always worked with speakers, authors, and coaches who are coaches or consultants selling their programs or services. Once I decided a niche, that was it. Mm-hmm. And then when I went on my radio show, I, I added in podcasters because I was like, ooh, podcasting is fun. And it, and mo- so many coaches have podcasts that, that also is something that we can market. But I was having people approach me and say, I would love to work with you. And then their budget just there was no room for them. And that made me sad. So I started a company where I could help new entrepreneurs and more of a, a group setting and through courses. And um, it's we don't do the done for you services, whereas a lot of the expense cannot be helped because you have to pay people to do the work. But if you go down to teaching, which I mean, I went to school to be an art teacher and also I teach adult college students. I love teaching. I love teaching. Is there anything you don't do? I had four jobs at a time half the time because, you know, young people with ADHD, we don't sleep. So I was in the National Guard and working at the theater and working at a camera store and doing professional calligraphy at the same time, as an example. So I sleep now eight hours a night, every night, because it's healthy. (laughs) For my audience that's just listening and not watching this, I have a very perplexed, stunned look on my face. This is the first time I've interviewed someone that's like, I had four jobs and then I did this. I've done that. I've done over here. I do this now. Um, <laughs> no wonder you have ADO squirrel. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't Now I don't even remember what we were talking about. So, well, we're going to just move on to the next question because I, 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 to be fair, I kind of lost, uh, lost the, the train of thought with that. But you mentioned you had a great tip. Uh, before when I was mentioning how we lay out the uh, episode mm-hmm. before we jumped on that you wanted to share and you mentioned it to me and I was like, that's a genius tip. Um, <laughs> so let's go into it. What is this tip that is a genius tip for beginner entrepreneurs? Okay. So the tagline for the coach's compass is find your true North because when you enter the entrepreneurial space, everyone almost will tell you 
I have the thing that will solve all your problems. I have the method that will get you where you want to go. I am the coach you should follow because my method is the way and my system is the answer to your prayers. And there's a caveat to that. Like, obviously that's not true. There is no one system that will work for everyone. And yes, if you follow the system step-by-step and you execute on every step and you follow that coach, you might get the results that they got maybe, but there's two problems with that. One is half the time you can't follow their system step-by-step because everybody comes to the plate with different resources and talents. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, you have to be very careful about who you choose as a coach because sometimes we admire people and enjoy people who aren't like we are. For example, I absolutely adore and love Audrey Hepburn. Breakfast at Tiffany's, Charade, you know, she was an amazing actress. She's beautiful and stunning. And I, I just love and adore her. Would love to be like her. That would be putting up a false front that would take all of my time and energy to try to emulate her because she is classy and like just a classic person. And that's not me. I'm more like an Audrey Hepburn. I am brash and bold and in your face and wearing the pants and I'm just going to tell you what's what. So if I went out and followed someone I admire and love and then tried to emulate them, it would end in horrible disaster. So you have to figure out who you are and how you function and what works for you and what will light you up and then build your business around your strengths. Don't try and take something that's a weakness and make it a strength. It's awful. It's unsustainable and it will crush your soul. Don't do it. <laughs> there. I did not expect the crush the soul moment, <laughs> but I'm fully, I'm, to be honest, it's a hundred percent true. Like I fully agree mm-hmm. with you. You should look at other coaches and what they do and see how you can take their their mm-hmm. steps and make it yours yeah take the parts that work for you and hold them close and implement them and the parts of what somebody else is doing that don't work for you don't do that and then people say well like for as an example people say well you got to go alive on facebook every day and i'm like well i could i'm not and they're like well if you're not it's fear and i'm like i'm not afraid of going live i've had a radio show live on the air like <laughs> i've i've talked in front of thousands of people i am not afraid of the camera. But what I don't like is the commitment of having to go on every day and show up live. I, I want to be in control of my time and my schedule. And if I, I don't want to do that, it makes me feel horrible. As I said, it crushes my soul. Like I just don't want that. Now I could say I'm going to show up live, you know, two times a day for a week. Sure. But I'm not going to show up live on any place, anytime for any amount of time in an ongoing manner. That just sounds horrible to me, but some people thrive on that and they should do it. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I'm a batcher and a planner and I like to have my stuff planned out for the quarter and I want my stuff planned out for the month and it's in my scheduler and it's going out. And if I get inspired, I'll come on and say something live, but that hardly ever happens. That hardly ever happens. And trying to force myself to become inspired, then I it feel pressure and I get into the ADHD brain spin and it's terrible. Now, some people function that way and they should do that. But that's what I'm saying is you find what works for you and do it. There are, there's milestones and checkpoints along the way where you have to have something to fill that spot. You have to do something in that area, but there's always options. Like if you're working on awareness or reach or traffic, you don't have to go live to get it. There are other ways. Yeah, you can record a video, put it up, and it acts as live. You um, could, yeah, you can do a podcast and repurpose it all over the place. And then people are like, well, I, I run a podcast. You have to have a podcast. Well, you could do, I mean, I love podcasts and I loved mm-hmm. having a podcast, but you could do a podcast tour on other people's podcasts and think and decide whether it's right for you. 
That's how I got my first client as a podcast. Yeah. He came on Lloyd Ross. I'm always going to be thankful for him. I still produce mm-hmm. his podcast and it's, um, it's probably either won the award or it was nominated for two awards and it's going, mm-hmm. we're going to find out, uh, <clears throat> this week if we win. Um, but he came on and he wasn't sure if he wanted to start a podcast, but I was it's like, a Hey, big, I, it's a big commitment. Once you do it, I it mean, is. Luckily, I have a very foolproof method for yeah. him to, to make it work wild. But the I'm first... excited to hear more about it. Oh, wait. oh, <laughs> this is not even the method I, I'm going to show you after the episode. Um, it's complete. It's a different thing. But I got him onto podcasts, and then he mm-hmm. realized I want a podcast because he saw how powerful it was. Mm-hmm. But most yeah, people taking are... control of the interview. If you're a good interviewer. Mm podcast is amazing and you know not to toot my own horn but i will i'm an excellent interviewer as well <laughs> well being on the radio uh, obviously you have that more experience uh, yeah but yeah no i i i, I am 100 behind podcasting because it did give me the life that i've always wanted mm-hmm. if it wasn't for podcasting i'd still probably be in the soul-sucking job uh nine to five i can't imagine going back it's been 13 years and sometimes people are like why don't you get a regular job and i look and i'm like you realize i make more than they're paying right now for that i'm like why would i do that then i'd have to beg for time off and make my sca- like oh no like my daughter's spring break I- is coming up in a while and i'm like i'm taking off and they're like how do you know and i'm like because i'm the boss I answer to sure. one person. Uh, well, you know, I have clients, but I can plan ahead, and make sure all the work is done in advance, and I can. I'm not taking my laptop on vacation. I shall leave it behind. That's oh, that that's the biggest plus that I found being a, an entrepreneur, specifically mm-hmm. a digital entrepreneur. You have that freedom to say. I'm taking this weekend. I'm going to do whatever I want. Yep. Well, sometimes I go camping for a month and people are like, how are you doing that? And I was like, well, I brought my laptop. I'm actually working from the woods because I can do that. And they're like, what? And I'm like, it's, there's satellites now. You can work from anywhere. (laughs) Those phones, you can hot, hot spot it, you know, like there is Yeah. And they're like, wait, work. And I'm like, all I need is my laptop. See, this, this is, (laughs) because we, what, what the problem is, we grew up and we're we're roughly around the same age um i'm younger <laughs> by obviously. a decade dude <laughs> no i'm you're not are you i'm 47 you, oh that's right you are <laughs> i apologize i forgot i just remember the year you said because i'm like oh she was no, that's okay i am i'm not ashamed of my age or my weight or anything like i'll talk about money too i mean just whatever but yeah, so like we grew up in the same age where we came we came to age with the internet and being told mm-hmm. don't trust the internet da 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 it's all full of scammy people and then mm-hmm. and the affiliate marketing and all that and now people are like wait you can make money on the internet it's like mm-hmm. where have you been you've been using the internet I've been building websites and blogging since before building websites and blogging were a thing like yeah because I'm a dork. <laughs> that's why you're the social savvy geek i you um, know i come by the geek honestly it's not it's not just a love of star wars and like truly like geeky things but also that i started um building websites in you know 1994 which is if you remember when the internet came along <laughs> I, I just had a traumatic experience of sound 
Um, the mm -hmm. one thing that will horrify every millennial Gen Xer and boomer probably mm -hmm. is the sound of the dial-up internet, um, which I hope oh, I never have. I, to hear I just heard it in my head because right? you said it. Mm -hmm. And everybody <laughs> listening who is one is still like, I hate you, Philip. Um, but... <laughs> and and my daughter who is nine has absolutely no concept of anything we're talking about right now. Oh, that that hurts more when I when I talk about stuff and people are like, what do you mean? I don't understand. what What is that? And it's like mm -hmm. she's oh had an iPad since she was two. So she has no concept. I have a nephew who's five and he can FaceTime me. Oh, I she's don't been face. She's been FaceTiming since she was two. Jesus. He's and that's been... initially that's what we let her use it for. And then I would I would mind you, she's nine. She still doesn't get it unsupervised. Mm. Of course, because we we grew up. We know what the what people are on the internet. We oh, know yeah, what no, the actual dangers no, are. No, when she's playing Roblox, Mama's playing Roblox. When she's playing Minecraft, Mama's playing Minecraft. We are on the same server, and yeah, no. No, nope. and it, make, it makes full <laughs> sense because one, it's also a bonding experience with your daughter. You're oh, sharing yeah, we, sharing something you love, but also you're protecting the hell out of her because you yeah. know the stupid people that are on the internet. When she um, picks the games, it is not something we both love, but I love her. <laughs> I said it's a bonding experience. I didn't say you have to love it. <laughs> I'm waiting till she's it. old enough to play console games well, so I can kick her butt at all the Star Wars games. It'll be there. Fun. You go. There you go. It's a it's a win win. Um, you get to destroy your daughter's confidence in the consoles. Well, she destroys. <laughs> my mom your kicked brain. my butt. It is. I survived. My mom is an Atari, uh, a Nintendo fiend. Like she could get all the way through Mario without dying. I'm not. I'm not kidding. And I've so. never, I've never been able to do that. You watch Ready, or you read the book Ready Player One, not the movie. The movie's totally different. But if you read the book, the skill level those people have in that book—that's my mom. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, I want to go into <laughs> a core memory because we're we're going to jump all over the place. If I don't ask these yeah. questions, I'm going to feel exactly. horrible. Um, I mentioned the core memory beforehand, and you said you had a great memory that you wanted to share. Well, it was more the story of. I started my business because of the women at American Business Women's Association, um, which you know I haven't been a member of in a long, long time, but that's where I got my start. And the first client I have, her name is Vicky, and she's she she kept me on retainer for seven and a half years. <laughs> it's a long time. Yes. And now she still brings me her books whenever she has a new book. She brings it to me to edit which I only do for her. So don't ask. And then <laughs> I, was, I was nowhere even close. I'm like, no, that, but people, people listening might be like, Oh, you edit books now only for her because she's, as we say, my first client. And yeah. I, I did her blog for almost eight years and therefore I know her voice. And that's why it's so easy to edit her books. Um, but I do the, the marketing still for her and do graphic design and that kind of thing. Um, whenever she has a project, but I just looking back over those past 13 years, realized that my favorite clients have been authors at some point. Now, some of them worked with me before they became authors, but they wrote a book and then, yeah, I got to clear my throat. Somebody's burning something outside of here oh. right now. Like there's a, I mean, on purpose, like a bonfire or something. I'm like, oh my God. Um, well, but it, just. It, it's it, they're, they're waiting for the snow to come because down in Texas, you guys are getting our snow. No. No, nope. no. I, I live, I live in the Gulf. I'm like so close oh. to Louisiana. Like, okay. I, I often go to Louisiana instead of Texas for things because, um, I think it's Charles city is closer, closer to me. Um, like I, an actual, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's how big Texas is, but I am fair. 10 minutes from the water. Oh, I hate yeah. You. I moved down here on purpose. Cause I was in Colorado for eight years and I, the, the cold, 
it like, physically hurts me. I can't stand it. It was too cold and too expensive, and I didn't love it. And it's nice to visit. I have family there. I'll go back for visits. So we're going for spring break. But there won't be snow, I hope. It's April. It could. Anyway, um, here. If you go to the mountains, yes. <laughs> it's, been, it's been in the 80s. I've had my windows open for three weeks. It's brilliant. And it doesn't it doesn't snow here like they said like maybe once in a decade or something and i'm like oh that's too much but okay <laughs> once in a decade i'll be okay with once in a decade i'm in montreal I lived, well i lived in um syracuse for like two years and i got so more snow understand. than i ever wanted in my entire life in those two years and they were like oh it's so mild and i'm like it's eight feet high they're like yeah it's a mild winter and i'm like y'all are insane <laughs> i'm from virginia i'm used to all the seasons but i prefer summer so i moved south a smart way. Um, don't come to Canada during winter. That's all I'm saying. No. The um, only good thing about winter is ice hockey. Yes, yeah, something we both share a passion for. Go Capitals. Um, go Habs. Greatest yeah. team in the world. Uh, anyway, it was the books. It was the books was the book. and the funnels and doing doing marketing for authors. Um, and, my, of course, my favorite authors to work with and the ones that I'm the best at helping are those who have a business around their book. So they're either trying to get speaking engagements from it because it could be a memoir or a motivational book if they're doing speaking tours or podcast tours. Um, but typically they're coaches, which is why the Coaches Compass is for coaches. Um, and it's helping get people into their programs. And just I love working with coaches who are willing to put themselves out there and be on podcasts or market their book. And I've, I haven't, when I was younger, I didn't imagine the impact that people could make by being themselves going out and impacting other people because there's so many people right now that are concerned and rightly so about the state of things in general in the world and saying, how can I, as one human make an impact and stop this dumpster fire like what can i do to put this fire out what can i do to help people and what you can do aside from loving your own family and being good to every single person you come around in your community and loving on everyone as much as possible on a daily basis because your smile might be the only thing that person like lights them up um mm -hmm. like anyway th that's a whole other thing but what you can do is treat everyone around you with respect and love and be the best that you can be and and spread that to everybody that you come in contact with. So if you are in business and you have a message that's important to get out and you spread that, it's like the butterfly effect or the drop of water and the ripples and coaches and entrepreneurs who have a positive attitude and are serving other people with love for money because you deserve to get paid uh, are changing the entire, it's we're, we're changing the financial situation of the world. That's one thing when I was a financial advisor, it didn't sit well with me that I was supposed to tell people to stop drinking Starbucks so they might possibly be able to go retire at, you know, in 20 years and they might be able to go on vacation if they're lucky to Disney in another decade and how are they going to pay for their kids to go to college? And I'm like, let's make more money. Like, why are you, you're not, you don't have to be satisfied with this amount of money that you're making. Um, but entrepreneurship isn't for everyone. It does take, um, some amount of stubbornness and stick stick to itness, but nearly anyone can handle a side hustle. So. Oh, yeah. Side hustle. It's an easy thing. And a side hustle. Yeah. Can, I'm can, not recommending that people quit their jobs. No, do no. not quit your job until you've replaced your income period. Anybody who tells you quit your job, take out a loan, get in my program. I'll answer all your dreams. Run away, <laughs> run away immediately. That is not in your best interest. That no. comes both, I'm saying that both as a financial advisor and a coach. <laughs>
you got two expertise telling you don't do it. I'm going to I will give to you me. no financial advice whatsoever except don't quit your job until you replace your income because I stand by that. Yeah, no, that it's so important to replace to make sure that you have a replacement income because yeah. uh, entrepreneurship is mm-hmm. uh, up and down. So some week, some months, you could be making a hell of a lot of money, but the next yep. month, you can have a dry spell for three months and you're screwed. Right now, I didn't do that. I was laid off. I, I bootstrapped it, but that's because mm-hmm. I lost my job. I didn't quit. So I mean, if you're thrown into, I'm looking for a job and nobody's hiring. This is all I've got then by all means, start your own thing, but bootstrap it. Don't invest heavily at the outset because your idea is to bring in money and you can, you can, if you have to, you can hustle for a while. It's not sustainable. Like hustle is not a lifestyle, but it can be a emergency measure. Yes. No hustling is for the, the beginning. Once you're, you're established, you have that, that residual, that income coming in that pa- quote unquote passive mm-hmm. income. That's when you can start laying off and, delegating to other people or delegate as soon as possible when you everything can. Will, everything will come in seasons. There's been seasons. Um, I've, I've been thrown back into hustle season in my life from time to time. After my husband passed away, I was thrown, I, I basically nearly shut down for like a year and I didn't take on new business. I only did the minimum to maintain the clients that I had and went on. And then when it was time to come back, it was right when the, um, the big, you know, pandemic hit and I had just filled up my calendar and got everything. And two thirds of my contracts with professional speakers were canceled, uh, that March because their contracts were canceled and they can't pay me with what they don't have. And I released them and didn't take them to court or anything because Again, I mean, what are you going to do? Make them give you money they don't have? And that's rude. Um, Everybody got hit. But then I changed what I was offering and how I was offering it. And I hustled. And, you know, here I still am. So, yay. (laughs) Proof that that's just more proof that the entrepreneurial life is in cycles because some months you'll have good, some months you won't. Sometimes we'll go a year, Mm -hmm. you know without any issue and then next thing you know you the global yeah. world, the world shuts down and you have to figure oh, out oh yeah solution. and my funnel was full my finances were flush everything was great and i was depending too much on one particular area of business which i don't recommend in the long run either but i was i was just coming back after an absence so that's yes. why but believe me when i tell you now i have multiple streams of income from two different businesses and different models and they say the uh, average uh, millionaire has seven streams of income. So that's a good thing to, to hit from. And if you can get it from two different uh, sources, all seven, mm-hmm. hey, it's even easier yeah. for you. Something I learned in the financial world as well is a lot of the people that you look around and think are millionaires are heavily in debt, running up credit, and they're putting on a flashy show. The millionaires that you don't see are the ones who live right next door to you and they drive a car that is not new and they're not buying they're not keeping up with trends and they're they're not flashy they're just regular people who live right next door to you so when you're looking at coaches and looking at people online usually the ones that are flashing the most are the ones you gotta watch out for yeah those are the ones i'm always the most wary of i'm like why do you need to show so much social proof that you're rich you're famous this, this doesn't eh. sit well with me. It's the, bro mar- it's, it's the bro marketing. And I'll tell you why they do it. They do it because it works. Yeah. But it's disingenuous and I don't like it. I, I'm 100. I, I prefer using podcasting to do all the advertising because it talks for itself. It's the proof in mm-hmm. concept um, and how well it goes. Um, Lara, 
Yes. We're coming near to, we're, we're, we're going to be going, we went over the timeline, but that's okay. I, I'm having a great time talking. I was going to say, you. it'll be fun. Yeah. It's a fun conversation. It's been fun. Uh, I'm not going to edit this, but we are going to jump into the spark question. Cause Ooh, what is it? Uh, the spark question by seek discomfort as my audience knows. And I told you before, have you ever spent a day? Well, I'm, I'm guessing you have, but have you ever spent a day without your phone? If yes, how did it feel? If no, why not? I've spent tons of time without my phone. I figured um, as much since you go camping <laughs> and you, you like to take vacations and like disconnecting. So mm -hmm. how did it feel like the first time you did it? Cause I'm guessing you built your business with your phone cause you needed the internet. Mm -hmm. How did it feel putting down your phone, not being accessible to your clients? Oh God. Time? I, the first time. Yeah. At first it felt weird. Like, Oh my gosh, what if they need something? But I've, I've got firm boundaries in place now. My clients, um, I have a business number for them to text and they only text if it's an emergency. Um, and then, I mean, it's not like I have people to help, so I don't have to be the person looking at it. I'm pretty um, sure you have employees at this point, at least. Hopefully, yeah. if not, uh, you should get on that. Contractors, contractors. contractors I don't do employees anymore um, because I don't want to control somebody else's time because I, I, like I that. yeah, I want my people I work with to have control of their own calendars and I don't want them to ask me for time off unless it's a big chunk, in which case we need to schedule around it or whatever. But um, I'm, I want results, not control of their person. I like that. So yeah, it's good. But uh, I will say that as far as I, I, do, I put do not disturb on my phone, but before iPhones had such fabulous cameras, I always carried a camera and now I carry my phone as a camera. So I still use it as a camera. <laughs> Um, otherwise I would have to carry a camera and I don't, but, um, I was, as I mentioned, I worked at a photo store. Like I was, I took photography classes. Like I do amateur photography. <laughs> so when I'm out like kayaking with my daughter, like I want pictures of that, but I don't take pictures all the time anymore. I'm not taking pictures like to show off for people. It's mostly like most of the pictures I take, I don't publish, but I will take some of the shots and use them for social because I want to show people that I actually have a life. Like, but <laughs> it's not but, just business, business, business. Yeah. But I usually batch my pictures up and I'll take, I'll be like, today's going to be picture day and I'll take a bunch of pictures and then like go to the beach with my friends. I'm not taking pictures there. That's weird. <laughs> it's slightly because weird. we're, we're, well, we're all in our late forties. We don't want pictures in bathing suits, you know? <laughs> Look, I, I, even when I was young, I didn't want pictures of me in my bathing suit. So I'm pretty sure oh. when I get 40, I still won't well, want it. As a competitive swimmer and springboard diver and lifeguard for, I also did that for like a decade. Uh, I had my picture taken in my bathing suit all the time. <laughs> so now that you can control it, you're like, no, no, no bathing suit pics. Yeah. Um, Laura. Yes. Thank you for being on the show. I'm going to jump off. I want you to let my audience know where they can get, uh, get in contact with you with like the coaches compass, how, you, mm -hmm. how that works. Cause I'm pretty sure I do have a couple coaches who are looking at launching some books mm -hmm. and they, they may need some help. So, um, the floor, the floor is yours. Awesome. So my favorite platform is Twitter. I'm social savvy geek and the coaches compass pretty much on all the platforms, but you can find me at socialsavvygeek.com, thecoachescompass.com. Um, if you can't remember any of that, linktree forward slash social savvy geek. You can Google social savvy geek. I'm literally everywhere. And we are right now offering um, the author marketing content club for authors. If you're looking for a content solution to market your book, there you go. Awesome. Lara, 
thank you again for I, I nearly said Laura and I'm like, no, no, it's Lara. It's, it's Croft. Laura, Lara it's Croft. Laura. <laughs> I was like, oh no, Croft, Croft. I remember that. Um yeah. Lara, thank you again for being on the podcast. I had oh, you're um, so welcome. A hundred percent, one hundred percent great time chatting with you before and, and during the show. And um I can't wait to have you back on uh later. Oh, for sure. Uh, it's fun. Um, to my audience, make sure you check out the show notes down below, all the links to Lara's stuff. I'm going to have to say it slowly from now on. Lara. Lara. Lara's stuff will be in the show notes down below. Make sure you connect her with her. And if you're an author, do take it, take that package. I forgot what you called it. The author marketing content club. There we go. The marketing content club. Join that. See what it's about. See how you can uh, get the freedom that you deserve. And remember to always invest in yourself. Hey, digital entrepreneurs. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. Now, if you're looking to take your podcast to the next level, like most of these entrepreneurs have taken their business to the next level to scale it, if you will, make sure you check out my brand new newsletter links are down below it is called the monetization mogul syndicate newsletter or it could be feel better stories of monetization moguls or making moguls is what i do so make sure you go ahead and check that out but i want to thank you very much for listening and as always remember to invest